This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversation. This week we're going to be looking at boundaries and I'm joined by Zoe Blasky, who is the founder of Motherkind, a self-empowerment platform for modern mums. Through Motherkind, Zoe coaches mothers of all backgrounds from global CEOs to full-time mums on how to navigate the huge challenges of modern motherhood. And Zoe also hosts a brilliant podcast, The Motherkind Podcast, which is the UK's number one family podcast on iTunes. She speaks to actually a very, very impressive array of experts. And The Telegraph celebrated the podcast by saying it's the antidote to the toxic perfectionism of mother, modern motherhood. And as you'll probably gather from our conversation, Zoe is also a personal friend of mine. She's one of the most well-read people I know. And I was trying to put, find the language for this, but you're kind of you're very emotionally developed you're always like doing stuff and then a few years later I kind of get to those same milestones I'm like oh that's what Zoe was on about I get it now um so without further ado how are you Zoe how are you really yeah I'm okay I feel a bit nervous I've not been a guest for a while and so I feel I just noticed my heart's beating a bit and I'm thinking you know that sort of mind blank yeah well, I'm just noticing that. I'm just noticing that and just kind of thinking, well, of course I feel like that because I'm used to asking the questions uh, as opposed to answering them. So that's how I am, really. That's really interesting because I was wondering whether you'd feel it, you know, there's a, it's easier going into being a guest because you haven't had to do the prep. But I'm imagining with our personality types and your personality type, actually doing the prep, as in literally having some notes in your hand, is, is sometimes an easier place to be right I love doing the prep I mean you said I'm well read that's kind of why because I have these guests on who like you you know amazing guests but sometimes they'd have read like five or written five or six books and I'll read them all <laughs> so when you I really just, uh, yeah sometimes not always but I I love um you know I love sort of depth I hate surface level stuff it doesn't that sort of thing doesn't really doesn't do it for me so I love going deep on stuff um, which is why I think I've read so many books when I got interested in you know this kind of world of self-development and transformation and how do we become happier and freer and how do we stop hating ourselves I think I just went all in on it because I just got so fascinated 
So yeah, I have read at this point, it's probably thousands, which is a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Oh no, Zoe, don't be embarrassed. I think this, actually, I've just done a post about this on um, Instagram in relation to exercise, but you know, we're always taught to pretend that we hadn't revised for exams, that the cool thing to do is to say, I'm, I'm unprepared. And a bit like with exercise, oh, you know, I'm not really trying that hard or any kind of ho- hobby. But actually that's a real coping strategy. I am always trying really hard. I can also learn to accept that that can sometimes still equal failure, but I'm not going to pretend that I haven't tried when I have. Yeah, and I think it does others a disservice, doesn't it? Like lots of people say to me, you know, how, how I'm sure they say the same to you, like how have you managed to grow this podcast? You had no experience, you had no platform. And I'm like, there's one answer. I've worked really, really, really hard. And I think sometimes... People aren't always, particularly in the world of Instagram, like people aren't always that honest about that. And I think that just does everyone a disservice, doesn't it? Because then people think, well, you know, maybe that, you know, if I don't work hard, maybe I could get that. But that's not my truth. My truth is everything good has come from me basically focusing and and grafting on it. Yeah, Yeah, again, I've said in the same thing, graft beats talent nine times out of 10. Yes, you have people who are truly gifted, but even someone who is gifted at at podcasting or interviewing you don't have to work out the technology I'm sure there would have been interviews where they've had mind blanks or they don't gel with somebody and yeah is it yeah talent very few people are are very gifted at, at, at things and yeah lots of us all of us have the ability to graft yeah and I think it's actually passion isn't it like I often say passion trumps experience because you know for what you and I do there are way more experienced people you know, people with way more, but I, I like you, you know, I just have an absolute passion for it. And I think when you've got that, it kind of rides me through, it rides me through the, you know, the challenges of it. And I think it's, I think it's really important. There's also such a vulnerability in trying at something. Mm-hmm. One of my coping method, methods was like, I'm just not going to try so hard. Mm-hmm. And then if I fail, that will be my, oh, well, I, I, you know, I failed because I didn't try so hard. And I think there's such a courage actually and a vulnerability in saying, no, I'm going to try my absolute best at this and I'm going to keep trying my best and I'm going to fail a thousand times, but I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. Um, that's what doing a weekly podcast for four years has really taught me is like, I have failed so many times in so many ways, big and small, but I've just kept showing up. And I think that that's what vulnerability is and courage is. Mm, to go um, again. To just go again, to just go again and get a shit review and go again and, you know, totally mess up or delete the recording and go again. You know, it's just, yeah. it, that is that is courage and vulnerability. But for me, that is because I care. If I didn't care or if I was being paid to do this job, you know, like for someone else, there's no way I'd still be doing it. Mm. And there's a genuine part of me that wants to, you know, be of service and help others and a real genuine, that's my core sort of desire, really. Mm. That's what keeps me going. But yeah, you're right. Bloody hard work. Do you think, I'm going to get onto the thing we're going to talk about. Do you think... I'm wondering whether there is any more nerves attached because of the of our relationship because you're coming in here with a personal and professional relationship or is that would it be easier if it was very obviously work? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. Not that I'm going to say anything awful because I know you, but you know what I mean. I I, I sometimes yeah when I've interviewed good friends of mine before, there's. I tend to get this massive pang of vulnerability afterwards because I'm like, oh, 
did I interview them as Clemmy, me, their mate, or did I interview them as my, my work me? And I even in my work, I'm showing up as me, but it's like, oh, there might be those boundaries, might, those you know, levels might be slightly different. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I experienced you as quite an authentic person. So whether I'm listening to your podcast or I might be talking to you as a friend, I don't experience a massive difference between Good. those two people. Um, so I think I think that's, you know, interesting. I think the nerves also are just because I care. And if I get onto something like I'm asked to do a talk or a workshop or even, you know, if I'm showing up and I'm about to coach someone for the first time, if I don't feel that sort of bubbly feeling, I get really worried because mm. I'm like, am I stepping into you know, that kind of dangerous ego place of like, I've got this, I know what I'm doing, mm -hmm. um, which for me, I'm a perpetual learner. So I get really worried if I sort of think I've mastered something, to be honest, because when I go there, I can, that's when I do make more mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would, I can have a tendency to, to feel, um, sometimes like an old coping tool of mine was to feel like I had something nailed and there was nothing left for me to learn. Wow. So I get really nervous if I'm not nervous. <laughs> I'm like, it's really good for me to be like, oh, you know, yeah. is this going to be okay? Because yeah. I think in that sort of vulnerability um, is, is, is way more authentic to me yeah. because it's, it's, it's that I really care about it. Yeah. It's, it's Someone once said to me, it's when your body, if you feel a bit of that as your body preparing or your mind preparing to bring it, like it's a game, you know, you've got to have a transition. If I just strolled in here, yeah, as if I was about to phone you as a friend, then that would be wrong because I'm trying to hold a load of stuff in my head and you're trying to hold a load of stuff in your head so that it is um, something great. But it's, that's really interesting to, yeah, if you think you've nailed it, something's probably a, a bit of miss because actually no one as we well know no one's ever nailed anything so yeah. something well, what you're really saying is I'm unteachable now yeah. <laughs> very 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 dangerous <laughs> I mean I feel like that often is encapsulated in parenting the, the moment every single time the moment you think yeah we're really doing great at this now look at this look at this it's working is guaranteed they go through a completely different phase and it all gets turned upside down yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm always like teacher, student, teacher, student, teacher. Yeah. Like I'm always just doing that. And I'm always, um, you know, learning and trying to learn because because everything, as you say, keeps changing, whether that's in life, parenting, our external world. Um, yeah, so I think the moment I think I've got something sorted, it's not an ideal place. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong here, which is, yeah, tell yourself in knots in some ways, but I know exactly what you mean. So for the um, listener, we're at, a bit of an unusual situation in that I often book guests with a subject in mind. And then I knew with Zoe that there were several things that she could talk about. So I asked her what she would choose. And, and she picked the topic of boundaries, which is really interesting to me because actually maybe as per my introduction, I feel like this is something I'm really, really only beginning to get under the surface of. When you say boundaries or you think about boundaries, tell me what's in your mind. Yeah. So, um, well, the reason that I wanted to, when you said, you know, what should we talk about? You're right. You know, I do coach on quite a breadth of things, but I'm seeing like increasing sort of um, conversation, particularly on social media about, about boundaries. And I love that. I think it's incredible. But I also think um, sometimes the depth is missed and 
you know, I've struggled for 10 years with this boundary practice and I still struggle today. So I think it's so um, important to, I was really excited to have a standalone conversation about Mm -hmm. boundaries. Sometimes for me, it can get wrapped into other things. And um, I just think they're so hard to do and yet so absolutely fundamental. So I think those two things together just make this sort of perfect storm of something really cool to focus on. Yeah. So I'm grateful that you you're up for it as well. Yeah. And actually, then when I was still digging into it, because I I think I had an understanding of what they are. And then I started to try and really think about what what different boundaries might be. And, you know, Mm. they could be emotional, they could be physical, they could be time, they could be topic based. Mm. So like emotional is like, I know I'm really hormonal today you know give me a bit of space I'm not really in a place where I can talk about very heavy things or time ones I've got a big day at work tomorrow I'm up for meeting up we'll need to be wrapped up at at 10 physical um I don't know who I heard someone say that they've got a blanket rule that people aren't allowed to tickle their children yeah which again yeah and I was like or like not enforcing relatives to to um kiss their children and then topics yeah you know let's not let's not go there on I mean for want of a better word COVID and it's like wow these really really do span so many things don't they it's like it is it's it's the way we kind of want to go about our lives I suppose yeah that's it that's how I define it there are tons of definitions of boundaries out there but I guess one of my passions is like keeping things really simple. I have a very simple brain and I have a brain that needs to learn things over and over and over again. So I have to keep it really simple. So for me, boundaries are how we decide what works for us, like what's okay, mm-hmm. and what's not okay. And I think it's also understanding that we're responsible for our own behaviors and our own actions and other people are responsible for that. So I sort of think boundaries are actually the the basis of great relationships with ourselves um, and others because you what you the, the boundary examples you gave there were all examples of external boundaries which mm. by far the most talked about and I think probably the more sort of complex but there's also internal boundaries which is the boundaries that we set with ourselves so I'm going to go to bed at 9 p.m three times a week mm. would be internal boundary when no one else is around keeping those promises to yourself so yeah I I really think they are absolutely fundamental you know I often say I know there's lots of mothers listening and I often say you know when we become mothers it's like our time halves and our to-do doubles so without boundaries you know so many people that I work with it's really easy to start feeling like you're just stuck on this sort of hamster wheel of obligations Mm. and you're meant to be doing and you over time you can just start to feel like you're living someone else's life that's the most extreme sign of a total lack of boundaries is you're like I don't even know what I need anymore like I'm just lurching from you know one thing to the next um so you know I've really learned that just the fundamentals of like learning to say no, how to prioritize your energy, how to become more intentional about your choices. Um, it's absolutely game changing, but it's really, really hard. It's yeah. really hard. And I think, um, funnily enough, that was the thing that I was going to come to you next. I hadn't put the um, the language as internal boundaries, but like um, boundaries with yourself. And I think 
my instinct is that that is where you need to start because if you aren't protecting your own then how how is anyone else meant to and it's you know ones for me are I'm going to rest when I'm tired which I mean to be honest I'm really I'm not very not very close to achieving but it's I've got to got to learn to yeah I think I think that's about yeah it is a boundary with myself because I'll just keep going or it's it's, it can do you want to talk about it yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) it's it's a bit um it's a great intention that's actually more of like what I would the language I would use is that's an intention Mm -hmm. that to be a boundary you might want to make that more specific and more achievable to start with yes so it might be something like um you know when I'm so tired that dot 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 because you'll know in your body like Mm. then I'm going to have a 10 minute break or then I'm going to have a 15 minute break and you want to make it really specific because saying I'm going to rest when I'm tired is 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 an intention it's going to be really hard for you to actually honor that because what does the rest look like is it a week is it five minutes cup of tea you know how tired if you're anything like me I'm sort of always a bit tired Um, (laughs) so you know it's like you want to get really specific about what that is and start really small Mm. so important like start really small start really achievable so that you can build up that muscle of like when I say something I can trust myself to do it because that's going to build your esteem that's going to build your relationship with yourself as someone you can trust that's so true because yeah and and if there's anything vague which an intention is which isn't not not to say it's bad but it's you you need that that action consequence feedback loop for it to begin to become something so yeah actually it's better that I will go to bed at 10 p.m because I I'm I'm hoping to get eight hours sleep that will make you know that will make me rather than getting to the point where it's a bit fluffy so that's so true yeah and then you can witness what's really cool is you can then with that example like I'll get to bed at one of my boundaries that I am quite good at is 9 p.m bedtime three times well done Mm. (laughs) but um what's interesting then is to notice I just notice because I think kind of setting the boundary and defining what it is and we can get into all of that is 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 really important but so is noticing what you notice about what happens when you don't do it or when you first try to do it because that's when loads of interesting um programming I call it might come up for you so um you know with my 9 p.m bedtime thing sometimes I'll notice it'll get to nine and I'm still scrolling maybe Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And it's just super powerful to then actually look at why am I doing this? Normally it's something that I'm avoiding or maybe I'm nervous about sleeping for some reason, or there'll be something there that will give me some really interesting information. So it's kind of setting the boundary, but also noticing what you notice. Try not to judge yourself because it's going to give you tons of information Mm -hmm. when you start to set boundaries with others like when I first started to set them the guilt that I would feel was just like almost unbearable Mm -hmm. when I first started doing it I would often um go back on the boundary so I'd say a boundary like oh um I'm really sorry I'm not able to drop you home tonight for example because I'm obviously I'm sober for people that don't know so I'm always the one that's driving 
be home tonight. And then someone would go, really? It's only five minutes out your way. Come on. And I'd go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> because I would feel, so what I started to notice is that that guilt that I would feel or that, that inability to honor, you know, my limit was really all about my esteem. And mm. you can learn so much by just witnessing how you operate when you're, um, trying anything new actually but particularly setting boundaries it's so interesting what you're saying because I, I am a fan of an early bedtime and if I try and do it like the, as you're as you're talking the voice to myself is oh you're really boring <laughs> and it's, it's like nobody no one else cares what time you're going to bed like on a weeknight but I I go into this kind of yeah self-criticism basically and who's, the same whose voice is that I don't I guess well, I really, I actually have come out of saying, you know, I'm, it's the ex-party girl in me, you know, where I was defined by being more fun and, well, I say fun, it's not, that's not true, but a bit more wild and a bit more, you know, staying up late equated to something that I thought I wanted to be, which is kind of rebellious and and wild. But the, the real me is is quite buttoned down and likes an early night and, um it's just you know that again it's a pretending you didn't revise I don't know if existing in that chaotic life allows for all this kind of leeway and excuses for yourself but that ends up being for me very damaging yeah I think you know before you're right and before I got good at this or better still practicing so much but I would sort of wear this mask of like this easygoing. <laughs> like where where do you want to go? So oh, I don't mind. Um, can you drive these ten people home you've never met? Yeah, sure. I'm so easygoing. That'll be really fun. But the the truth is, is that underneath that, I was the opposite of easygoing. Mm. I I was I was resentful, you know, angry. Mm. I was, I didn't want to take any of those people. I did, you know, deep down have opinions on what we wanted to do or didn't do. Mm. But I was just running this belief, you know, which I can track back to childhood, which we can do with most of these behaviors, actually, um, that in order to be sort of liked and accepted, a way to do that really effectively, and it is quite effective, you will get liked and accepted, but it has a really high cost. Um, yeah, the way to do that for me was just to go along and, mm. and you know, say yes and do whatever anyone else wanted me to do. So I was really sort of invested in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s in keeping the peace mm. and, you know, making others happy. Those were my two sort of unwritten, sometimes unconscious things that I would do. And it, they do work as in, you know, I was quite liked <laughs> and it did keep the peace. But as I said, the cost to my esteem and my life and how I felt about myself and my energy levels um, was really, really high. So that's sort of how change happens, isn't it? Is when you mm. realize actually the cost of doing this is getting higher than what it's giving me. A hundred percent. And I'm listening to you and thinking, and the problem is this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because actually one of the examples I was thinking of, again, because I learned... I like an early night I'd invite people over 
And then when they were still there at 11 o'clock, the voice in my head would say, God, why do these people always overstay their welcome? And then that makes me feel resentful. And then I think, well, actually, I'm not even going to bother to have anyone over because they don't leave when I want them to. And then that makes me feel like I'm a really antisocial person. And the truth is, and this is the most one of the most important things with these boundaries, people aren't mind readers. You know, unless you're someone who likes an early night, those people who are staying up till 11 are just cruising out the door at the time that they think an evening wraps up. And they have no idea that every time that they've done that, that has felt like a violation to me and a kind of why aren't they thinking about me? But they had no idea that I was hoping they'd leave at half past nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I often say we don't have glass heads. Like, I think it would be amazing if we did and everyone could see, or maybe not actually, but, you know, that sort of thing. Our needs are our needs. And this is where, you know, responsibility comes in. And, And one of the ways that I help people unpick where they need boundaries is actually where they feel resentful or taken advantage of. So that is like a brilliant example, Clemmie, because it's not actually on those people to mind read you it's on you to state that boundary yeah because chances are most people not always but most people would not want to be doing something that would upset someone not to their mates most people yeah to their mates right most people would want you to say actually I'm really tired love you to come over come a bit earlier you know come at half six seven you know we'll eat but I would love it you know I do need to get in bed by 9 30 most people would rather that than you be sort of silently seething um, about their behavior when they had no idea so there's something really freeing for all relationships this is why boundaries are so important for healthy relationships Mm -hmm. and they, they can make relationships feel more intimate and more safe and more vulnerable because you're being true to yourself um, as opposed to sort of showing up in a certain way to to be liked, not to ruffle any feathers, but behind closed doors, you're feeling, you know, really resentful and not many people would want that. It's like when clients of mine struggle to say no, like to a coffee on the school run or something, you know, one of the mums is like, come on a coffee and they'll go, okay, because they don't want to upset the person. I'm like, how do you think that person would feel being at that coffee, knowing that you didn't really want to be there? Mm. Like most people would rather someone not show up than show up resentfully, show up not really wanting to be there. A hundred percent. And then if you actually said, really, I'd like to get straight home and get back to my desk. I've got an inbox that is bothering me. How about we do this coffee before the pickup when I will have got through my working day and I'll enjoy it? I mean, yeah, But the thing is, what we're we're taught, or what I was definitely taught, is expressing your needs makes you a troublemaker or difficult, or you know, um, and and it's what the point. The point of boundaries is you can't enforce things on other people, but you can tell them what's right for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's it. You don't set boundaries to change someone. It's really important because I think sometimes, like boundaries can be a bit weaponized yes <laughs> you know I'm gonna say this to control you that's absolutely not what you want to be doing with a boundary and in fact when I'm setting boundaries I never use the word boundary because it <laughs> sounds a bit therapy it sounds a bit sort of you know uh affronting doesn't it so yeah when we set boundaries we set them for 
ourselves. And when we set them, you want to be using, just like you did in that example, Clemmy, I language, like I have an inbox that is too full. I need to get to bed mm-hmm. at 8 I find it really hard when you say that it does this for me. Because when, when you use the I language, what you're doing is taking personal responsibility, which is what we were talking about. So yeah, it's not, we don't use boundaries to punish. We don't use them to change someone else because we can't, obviously. We use them to take more ownership and to be more truthful, to get our energy back, to listen mm. to our own needs. Um, yeah, but it's a really important point. It's really important. Yeah. I think we use it as like, I'm going to set a boundary with you. And that would, if someone did that to me, that would trigger the hell out of me. Yeah. It. you're gonna get you're gonna get a defensive um response back remember like communication is taken in the energy with which it's given so if you come at someone mm. with a really strong sort of i mean it depends but typically you're not going to have to set a really strong hard fast aggressive boundary because what you'll get back is is the same energy yeah. energy will match it um so yeah you want we can set boundaries like really lightly with humor mm. with love with compassion yeah doesn't have to be this sort of big heavy um you know thing but it is important to set them not in an argument mm. <laughs> never gonna work well um because you know when we're in an argument or things are heated we actually can't get to that sort of our cognition is really low so we're not going to be able to communicate in a way that we want chances are the other person's not going to hear it anyway so you don't want to be setting boundaries when you're in the middle of an argument you want to be sort of taking a bit more time to reflect on it and do it when things are a bit calmer yeah I think there's a few things to pick up on there um I've had a real I think it's Brene Brown or maybe Glenador who talk about um how not to be scary when you're scared which is yeah. like a huge, I had, a, I had an amazing conversation with a friend who, a guy who said to me, Clemmy, why are you so angry today? And I, and it was really powerful because I wasn't angry. I was very sad about something that had, had shifted. Some, and I was like, wow, you have done me such a favor by feeding that back to me because now I know that I'm presenting as angry when I'm actually feeling very sad. Mm. And if I, if, situation we're talking about and the boundaries being violated does make you feel threatened and vulnerable though you're feeling scared in my case I think I can come across as very threatening and as you're saying anything any intention set with that energy behind it or any conversations that will will only be reciprocated for that and it can then become just a fight really a fight for control when if you can do, come at things often, I think really preemptively. I'm thinking about Christmas for for me. That always just sends all kinds of things going. But if you can try and talk about Christmas way in advance when it doesn't feel like a very loaded thing, then hopefully, yeah, you can set your boundaries in a, the most neutral way possible. Yeah, exactly. You want to be creating a bit of space when you feel okay, ish. Yeah. <laughs> um to ask yourself some questions about boundaries or to notice, you know, where you might need them. The problem is, of course, is most of us are so sort of busy and yeah, our days are jam-packed. So it's really powerful just to take, you know, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a couple of times a week, just to, you know, ask some questions, you know, where do I feel really resentful? Where do I feel all my energy is going that I don't want it to go? Mm. Where do I feel um, annoyed at someone? 
you know, what do I wish I could say that I can't, you know, yeah. just some really, really simple but powerful ways that you can start to dig into it. Because the kind of risk is, is that if we don't do that, it's almost like taking the needle off the record player. If we don't do that, it's just going to keep, nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm. It's just going to keep happening. And actually, if you're if you're stuck in that sort of boundaryless behavior, um, as I was for years, it, it kind of downward spirals and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you don't want that. So it's it's really it's really cool just to take a bit of time and think, you know, instead of putting on that box set or, you know, scrolling Instagram, just mm. grab a grab a journal or whatever or scrap a paper. Just jot down like where do I feel mm. that I'm giving my energy that I don't want to? Where do I feel resentful? You know, what would having more boundaries in my life give me when I think about boundaries who immediately pops into my mind um you know simple questions that you can you can ask and then you can start to think about okay well what would be this most small and simple boundary I could set around that like loads of people will come to me and they'll be like you know my mum-in-law she's always just dropping in unannounced and, and I'm like okay I hear that but we're not going to start there because no. that's a really tricky one you know it's emotionally charged it involves your children it involves your partner it involves you know so you want to be starting really small really simple just to start building that muscle of you know my needs are important mm-hmm. I can say something and the world doesn't end mm say something I can feel really excruciating guilt I want to take it back but I can hold that boundary and you're teaching your nervous system Mm. actually um that you can do it so often with clients I'll ask them to start like next time your meal is cold in the restaurant or you hate the haircut or the um you know barista makes your coffee wrong that's where to practice (laughs) I am so bad at that. Zoe and my mutual friend Polly Hypole is the queen of complaining, and I admire her so much. And I'm not talking about complaining in an unjustified way. She just can yeah. stand up for herself. But yeah. I, when she's done it, and I've I've been often the beneficiary of it. I am literally sitting there, not able to look at the waiter in the eye while she's doing it, and it's it's totally on me. You've paid for a coffee or. a meal and it hasn't come in the way that it should but I yeah it shows how like you want to just fall in line and not ruffle feathers yeah exactly what you're really saying in that moment is how this guy or this person that I've never met feels about this is more important than how I feel that's really what you're saying yeah um and you know, of course it is uncomfortable. I think there's sort of this rhetoric that if something's uncomfortable or hard, then maybe it's, it's wrong. And, and I, I the, the opposite is absolutely true for me. Mm, so if something is different or hard or uncomfortable, I face a ton of resistance of course because our brains like to keep things the same. Our brains aren't really wired for sort of happiness and esteem and uh, all that sort of good stuff they're actually wired for safety a big part mm-hmm. of that is keeping things the same let's keep things the same so the moment you decide to say actually my food is cold that is going to bring up so much or it could do 
if you're not used to doing it, so much uncomfortable feelings like you experience. But what you do is when you can work through those feelings, you are literally training your nervous system that mm. you can do. So if you're practicing that for a couple of months, then the next time your friend says to you, can you pick my kids up and you don't want to, or you don't even need to justify no. why. Maybe that you're sort of energetically burnt out, you just don't want to. You're going to find it so much easier because you've been practicing yeah on little things uh to say no but you know it links it it does all link back to it can all link back to what we were modeled around Mm. kids are actually amazing at boundaries (laughs) yeah Um. (laughs) Yeah, I'm laughing because um a friend in one of my kids class asked him for a play date and one of my sons said no I, I don't want to go to that play date and everything in me wanted to persuade him Yep, and then or not, and in turn to give the mum an excuse, and he just didn't want to. There's nothing more than that, and that is totally on me. And just well done him. Yeah, it's not, it's it wasn't wasn't an insult to the kid, and and also, what would happen is I'd force him to go. That would have a big run up to it because it's going against what he wanted, and and yeah, and yeah, it's just a terrible place to be. So I was like, wow, you've done it. If only we all said no to the things we we didn't want to do. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the energy that we would claw so, back. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just doing the thing that you don't want to do. It's all the like mental Olympics that go with the run up to it, yeah. where you're like, I don't want to do this. Why did I say yes to this? Mm. I don't want to do You know, it's like, and, and that sort of thinking and, um, you know, worrying, that takes so That's much more energy than we, than we realize. It also takes us, of course, like out of being a bit more present, which is, you know, for parents particularly, that's where we get to actually connect with our kids and ourselves and people around us that we love. And so, yeah, it kind of has, like, it seems so simple, doesn't it? Like, I'll just, I'm just going to go along with this because um, it's easier. And um, it is easier in that you sometimes avoid the new discomfort, but you you still kind of get a ton of discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like you want to be, you want to be leaning into the the better discomfort of yes. the t- which is of the of the change of saying no and I think you know that example I have the same like Jessie often says to me I just don't want to play with that person and she hasn't learned yet you know she hasn't absorbed and society hasn't taught her she hasn't got that fear of not being liked or not being rejected or which is just incredible like she mm. can just she Doesn't can just matter. I can't, yeah. can't do that I mean I do it but I still think there's still a bit of me that's like oh go along with it yeah 
I also want to pick up on something important, which is the not needing to justify. And actually, the particular example that comes to my mind, I often have people messaging me who are thinking about not drink, giving up drinking. And they say, what do you say to people? And it, it took me a long time to get here. I don't justify my not drinking at all anymore. I literally say, I don't drink. I don't need to give you because number one, I can't fit that into a conversation we can have here and now because it's extremely complex. The reason why I don't drink, chances are I don't know you well enough to want to give you that, and so I don't drink is just enough. And and you've just got to get comfortable with that. And actually, the more flex, like you say, the more times I've done that and just and drawn the conversation, the line under the conversation there the easier it's become. But for so long, I think I kept drinking for an unbelievable amount of time because I didn't have the guts to say, I don't drink. And then then you get, you know, for all the reasons we know, you get this layer of shame and not living authentically and not listening to my intuition about what the right choices are for me, all because I didn't want to yeah, say I don't drink. And in that instance, it really is no skin off anyone else's nose. It was only ever going to be me drinking it anyway. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think, you know, what I noticed with this is when I wasn't sure myself. So, you know, that thing mm. I was talking about with the boundary, like communication is met at how we deliver it always. Mm. So when I wasn't sure myself, that's when I would get the, oh, just have one. Like, oh, come on. Because people are just picking up on my uncertainty. Yes, there's a chink. There's some wiggle room here. Mm. Same with parenting, right? The moment kids there's some wiggle room, you know, we all know what happens. So, you know, the, the energy just with what how you said that like I don't drink there is no wiggle room there not many people are going to come back to you with like oh just have because the, the communication is clear it's clean they can tell you mean it they can tell you know there's some um, real authenticity and strength behind how you're just saying mm. really clearly and really clearly um and I think I think that's when you know that the, the way that we deliver these messages and the confidence and as mm. you say it takes time to to build that up you know and it doesn't mean that you're not available or I wouldn't be available to support someone I might say you know if you're really curious like mm. we really have a chat with you about it but you know not here and now yes exactly I see I've got uh, two of my sisters are vegan <laughs> and it's one of those things where people want to scrutinize that and they both have got really strong beliefs about why they aren't vegan. Yeah, why they're vegan. But you need to say, is that something that you want to talk about now? Are you up for having that conversation about it now? Because you don't want every time you're in a public place where you eat to have to talk about your, your choices. But yeah, that isn't to say exactly. I'm really up for talking about not drinking. But I want to know. I, I, again, it, it's the difference between someone coming at me with scrutiny rather than curiosity. If you're curious about it, yeah let's talk yeah and you'll be able to tell that as well yeah like you know 80 percent of communication is non-verbal so yeah if someone you can just tell we all can do it energetically we get a, we get an instant sort of flash of you know this person is is not you know right now this isn't a conversation that I want to have mm. or actually you know maybe later so it's just learning to to listen to that as we navigate these different boundaries, but the veganism is interesting because I think that's a boundary that lots of people are having to hold right now as our diets change a lot. And particularly with our kids, you know, compared to how, you know, in the eighties when we were raised, Claire, like it was all just sugar fest. 
to parts and you know and now I think you know particularly with the older generation like I have to set and hold some boundaries around um you know sugar with the kids and extended family and things like that and you know that can be really complicated Mm -hmm. you know when we think about setting boundaries with different generations around our children and um so I think, yeah, just being able to do it really clearly and really confidently. And, you know, sometimes it might be appropriate to explain why. And sometimes yeah. it might not. There are no rules. I'm always super wary of, like, rules. And yeah. every situation is different. Every person's different. But I have learned that the key to this, or one of the keys to it, is being really clear yourself. Yes. So is this a boundary where there's some wiggle room? Yes or no? Mm. or is this a boundary like you and ours is around drinking absolutely absolutely whereas for me there are some boundaries with wiggle rooms where you know I might say I might set a boundary with my in-laws obviously I'm not going to say that's what I'm doing (laughs) I might say say, oh you know the girls are really tired so you know we're going to drive through the night and we're going to get to yours at about 11 I'd love all the lights to be off so that they don't wake up. And if we could just kind of, you know, keep our voices low. And, you know, I, I, my my ideal is that we just get them straight yeah. into bed and get them to sleep. That's a really kind sort of clear boundary, loving. They might say, and this isn't real life, but they, they might say something like, um, oh, really? Because we have, you know, bought them these teddies and we really want them to take mm. teddies into bed with them that night so they can have them the first night that they arrive at our house. I would kind of think about that and be like, I could either say, I'm not sure, let me just have a quick think, buy myself some time. Or I might think, do you know what? That's kind of sweet. Yeah, that's totally fine. Or if I'm like, no, they are exhausted. I just need to get them down. I'd say, oh my gosh, that is so kind. Thank you so much for getting them teddies. Let's give them the first thing they wake up. I really just want them awake because tomorrow will be a nightmare for us all. So it's it, it's it's just trying to keep it fluid, uh, kind, fluid, but clean. But knowing for yourself, like, is this something I'll negotiate on or not? Mm-hmm. Really important. And I think there's something else important to ca- to uh, talk about there that to try and remember that other people are often coming from a, a loving place. You know, you're talking about the friends dropping in or them want it, wanting to wake up the kids. Now, if you're in a bad headspace and you've, you've not managed to talk about your own boundaries, you could be like, oh, you know, it's classic. They always just want to disrupt things for me, which which absolutely isn't, isn't the case. But because you, as you say, you, you haven't taken the needle of the record, you've got into these patterns that become harder and harder to pedal back from. And I have to check in with myself as well about, yeah, the, on control with that. And it's important. It's like you, there might be some flex. If if the kids have had a, a nap in the afternoon, they possibly could. But but you put what you've done is you put the the parameters down of where you're aiming so that, yeah, you can you can come back the other way rather than getting there and getting cross when all the lights are on. Exactly. But that's what I was saying, like a short, really quick way to figure out where you need boundaries is where you feel resentful. So mm. if you feel yourself like saying in your head, like you just did, Clem, oh, they always try and do this. That's like really, really good information because you're feeling a bit resentful. You're feeling taken advantage of. That word always is quite all pervasive. So that's just a really great opportunity to be like, okay, well, that woman on that podcast said that when I'm feeling resentful, this is probably a boundary. What is my boundary? Mm. Because if you're feeling like that, they always just do this. It's because you've not set 
a boundary mm-hmm. or maybe you have and they've not listened so you need to change the way that you're doing it um you know that's why boundaries are just so kind of game-changing because it enables you to just take a little bit of your power back and when we're focusing outward on how annoying everyone is or yeah how wrong the world is we've totally lost our sense of um self we've lost our sense of agency in our lives we've lost our sense of being able to yeah make different choices so it is it is it is really cool to to notice where you feel like that or you're hearing things like that in your head and think i'm going to do something different i've got an opportunity to do something differently here because you will transform relationships. I was about to say exactly yeah. that. Because I've I can think of lots of examples, and again, it's quite often with family, isn't it? Where I, where such small changes, like the things you're talking about, literally will could transform the whole of the trip to your in-laws. You know, because if you're starting on the right note, then the kids sleep better. You wake up feeling great. Off you go. You have a nice time. And and you're just like, oh wow! All it was for the, was these really really small tweaks that no one had any idea about that that have transformed and and saved relationships. I I do wonder how often really special relationships break down because of the most minor things that could have been sorted with a bit of a sticky conversation. Yeah. Well, one of my favourite sort of ideas is that you know everything you want is on the other side of a really awkward conversation so true and and it is awkward because it's different and it's hard and you know it just it just is but discomfort I'm coming to learn is just part and parcel of you know a really good happy life it's just part of it is just being that willingness to put yourself in that discomfort to do something different to get something different so yeah basically awkward conversations are the ones yeah, but but you know, I think it, it doesn't always. You know, when I've set some boundaries, I'd say ninety eight percent of the time it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Mm. Sometimes not, and that's okay. You know, I can handle that too. With um, you know, taking space, saying I need to come back to you. Let me think about that. You know, other ways that I can just you know, and then I might actually talk that through with someone. Like, am I being too hard here, or should there be wiggle? You know, because sometimes. You know, my own head isn't always the most reliable. No. <laughs> disappointing, well, isn't it? Yeah, really disappointing. I might check that out with like a friend or, you know. But so everyone, someone is always, they're, they're always going to have a reaction to you saying a boundary. Some people say to me, but what do I do if the other person reacts? I'm like, they will always react. Yeah, so expect that. So you're either going to get a positive reaction, like, yeah, great idea, or a negotiation point, well, actually, could we do it like this, or a hard no. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're always going to get a reaction. So expecting there to be no reaction is 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 just never going to happen, but that's not a reason not to do it. And I think then a, a, a good build on that is to then suggest to them that they take the time. You know, sometimes for, for people, when you give them a boundary, it's a bit of, they need to go and digest it as well. Because if you're coming to that conversation having mentally prepped for it and they had no idea that you were about to try and put this forward, then, yeah, you've got to let them go and sit with it too. And as you say, it would just take a bit of flex, especially if something's different. If someone's always been able to drop into your house unannounced and you've started asking them to give them some warning, you've just got to practice that again, haven't you? And then then hopefully these boundaries become really second nature. My brother, who's very boundaried, 
has a blanket no to second days of weddings just a blanket no he says i can't i want to come and be my full self on the on the wedding day but i can't i can't do it twice and so you know and it's not like he's chosen one family friend that he'll be there for and not the next he's just a blanket no and then people don't even ask him to them anymore and everyone's a winner and (laughs) i was like i really really respect that you know and actually I told I fed this back to him recently and he said I really appreciate you seeing it and feeding it back to me because I I honestly do want to high five anyone when I see them put some boundaries in place because it's not easy but it's does everybody a favor it's just such a joy like being around people who are really clear on their needs because there's just a sort of um (laughs) like a cleanness I don't know what the word is just like I know that if you are here it's because you really it's because you really want to be and I know that if I do something that crosses a boundary for you that you're not happy with you're going to speak up and you know this was absolutely game-changing for me because I used to be someone who you know if a friend didn't reply in a couple of days what have I done? And then I'd be starting to overthink, ruminating, what have I done? Did I say that thing wrong? Have I, or a work email that I'd send and then I wouldn't get a response. I'd be thinking all the time, you know, in my head, what have I done? What have I done? And then when I got this idea that it's that person's responsibility to tell me if I've done something wrong, not mine, to, to try it. to figure it out, right? And the, and the and the converse is true. If a friend has offended me, it's my job, uncomfortable as that is, or has done something that, you know, I just think, oh, that was a bit off. It's my job to say, actually, can we talk about that thing? I feel super awkward bringing it up, but I've got to say it to you because I really value our relationship. And I, and I know that we just have to be honest with each other. And I know you'd be honest with me. When you said that thing about whatever it it made me feel like this there's just such a freedom in in that because because it just totally took away the responsibility of my overthinking and I thought no if if I've done something wrong that person is responsible for telling me and then I can deal with it I'm not going to spend the rest of my life hours weeks if I added up it would be years of worrying in my 20s years that I'd wasted I'm not gonna imagining things imagining things yeah Oh, it's exhausting. You're right. And I think what I'm finding, and I'm conscious of time, that it's a beautiful thing because the people who remain in my life and who my friendships have got better and better with are the people who are flexing this. And it, and it's great. You could, as we, I said before, you can have friendships that have been just fine, and then you start behaving in this way with one another, and they just elevate to a whole different place. And yeah, who knew? Yeah, who knew? It's it's really, it's. Re- I really, really wish that in NCT, there's many things I wish they taught in NCT, oh, but boundaries, yeah. boundaries is definitely one of them. Because because particularly, you know, I know not all mothers listen to this, but lots will be. Yeah, you know, the, the the demands on our time and our energy are just insane. Mm. If you think about it, you yeah, know, it's undoable. It's insane, and I think without this without this practice of boundaries as I would call it because it is just a practice Mm -hmm. you just practice it is so easy to become utterly burnt out resentful like I was I would describe myself as an angry doormat before I started using you know I was people walking all over me and I was so angry about it but it was all on me I wasn't I wasn't able to to communicate 
you know, my needs and what I wanted and what I needed and protect my energy. And so I just, I think it's really, really, really powerful. If, if anyone is feeling burnt out, resentful, overtired, look at boundaries because mm. it really can be the key to unlocking so many um, things. So many different things, yeah. And I'm thinking as you're talking to my, to your, your kids, it's really important. And I, I think I've got a bit better at that, especially when we're, we've been working at home more and saying to them, particularly my older two, mummy's working now, I'm going to go upstairs and you can't interrupt me. And, th- and then learning to respect that. And then that means that when I'm not working and I come downstairs, I can't then blur the boundaries the other way and be checking my emails if I'm telling them that I'm with them. And everybody knows where it is. And of course, if they need to interrupt me, they can, but they know that that isn't a casual thing that they come in and out of. Because again, that causes unnecessary friction. And, and I th- I'm thinking that children love boundaries. Children really like to know where they're at, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's what gives children a sense of safety. Yeah. And um, there's an analogy that someone shared with me, which was sort of life-changing, where someone said, you know when you get on a roller coaster and they put that bar down? Yeah. The first thing that everyone does is rattle the bar. they They don't do it hoping that the bar lifts up they do it hoping that the bar stays down. And it's the same with boundaries. When you set a boundary with a child, the first thing they'll do is rattle the bar. The first thing they'll do is try and challenge the boundary, Mm. not because they want you to change the boundary. I mean, they do, but not really, you know, they want to check. Is it, is it safe? Yeah. Wow. It gives you a feeling of, of safety. So yeah. And I think, I think to some extent the same is true when we do it in our adult relationships. Mm. particularly if in the past if you've been the sort of person who said something and gone back on it and you've been a bit flaky flaky in that way like people may test like does she really mean it this Mm. time one just one or go on it's not that far or please you said you would you know it's just rattling the bar you can make your you know you can make that relationship feel really sort of secure and safe and by just saying no I'm really sorry my main take out from this is that I'm really really going to be better at saying if I get a cold coffee. I, I literally don't know if I've ever complained about any food I've ever got. <laughs> and I've definitely had some bad meals. It, it, it's making a scene is the voice that comes into my head and a real get what you're given. Now I'm from a big family, so, and I do get it. If if one person started rocking the boat and, it, and that would descend into mayhem quite quickly. So... But it's not, yeah, it's absolutely completely ridiculous if you paid for <laughs> something and not got it. So that's going to be my first flex towards a boundary. Thanks to you, Zoe. Let me know how you get on and I'll watch, out. watch out for Ristas of Peckham. <laughs> I'll do it in the most British way, though. Like, I'm terribly sorry. It's definitely my fault. But could you? Uh... I must have ordered the wrong thing at the wrong time, but this is cold. Oh, <laughs> uh, so we could actually talk. For all day which we can't but it's been it's been um really brilliant it's uh, it's a lot of stuff that I'm beginning to figure out for myself and haven't quite got there but you realize that it really is very very fundamental isn't it yeah it is it is um it's important because otherwise the risk is is that we just lurch from one person's demands to another to life's demands and we just we just don't get the enjoyment that we mm. all deserve mm. 
out of our lives like we, because we'll, we'll start to feel just on this sort of resentful hamster wheel and that's yeah. just horrible I've been there it's horrible yeah and I think um that the resentment as a red flag is is such a useful tool and, and resentment is about one of the most toxic things that, that can seep into your life I really believe that it destroys things yeah. it quietly destroys things um, and actually, we haven't touched on it at all, but um, setting boundaries with work is really, really important as well. And, and that's a place where resentment can very quickly seep in. In fact, I've seen it almost take whole companies down with it once once that kind of insidious yeah, resentment about workload and people not being paid what they think. It just it, it, it's really dangerous. So, yeah, yeah, looking out for resentment is something I'm definitely going to take on board. Good. Um, I've got lots to say about work as well. Yeah, it's I? a whole different, it's a whole different kettle of fish. But all these yeah. things translate. You know, I think who you show up at, at work is is who you are in the rest of your life. We've all been told about these work versions. Anyway, it's a whole different chat, so I'm not going to do that. Three things before we go. Uh, two things actually. Where can people find you if they want to check out more of you? So, main thing that I do is the podcast, Motherkind Podcast, everywhere that you would find a podcast um I also do group coaching where we really dive in together into boundaries as one of the weeks um, and I run those every month so those are all on the website which is really cool it's like it's mothers because I work predominantly with mothers so it'll be 12 mothers and we sort of dive into topics like values and boundaries and energy and it's really cool and what's really cool is just hearing other people's experience and there's something just so magical about yeah. getting real and honest and helping each other in a group. So yeah, so that's the main way. Um, and everything else is on the website, motherkind.co. Do you remember going for a coffee when you just were about to start this? You're like, do you think there's something yeah. in this kind of like wellness for moms? So I was like, yeah, I think there probably is. You were onto something, my friend. Yeah, turns out. I mean, lots and lots of people doing it now. But, but there yeah, wasn't. Was, there wasn't, was there? Was there? No, no, no. I was definitely one of the first. Yeah, well done. Um, and my last one is: if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be, and what would you say? Oh, that is a good question. The first thing that comes into my mind is it would definitely be God. Wow. It, yeah, it just came straight in. What would you and say would, to I'd, him or her? I'd say, say, is this real? What is what's this about? Wow, though. So that's a um. I wonder what they'd say. Oh, just came to me straight away. I mean, that's quite profound. I think. I think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's exhausting, isn't it? Yes, and fun and interesting. Yeah, you can't. Curiosity you can't. is an amazing thing. Um, but I think if yeah, if I got one chance to ask one per, that is would, this real to the to the universe or the the creator? Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that has really got to be where we wrap this up because that is a <laughs> thinker. Anywhere else from there, can we? Let's face it. I absolutely loved that conversation. It's a useful one. Complain about coffee, check in with my resentment. I am increasingly becoming aware that I am not a very boundary person. I think then weirdly shows up with me trying to be quite controlling and actually I'm now, I haven't quite pieced it together in my head, but there's something about the fact that I'm needing to overcompensate and be controlling because I haven't been good at acknowledging those boundaries. And it's taken really now till this point in my life to begin to understand the boundaries with myself 
and actually going back to one of Zoe's earlier points about transforming intentions into boundaries might be quite useful for me. So whether that be putting in some meaningful rest or putting in, yeah, I can't think of other examples, but I think if I start with those building blocks, sort them out for myself, and then I might be able to put some boundaries in for other people. Anyway, this is basically an internal dialogue that I'm speaking out loud, so I'll stop, but I hope that you found that useful. I really, really recommend going and checking out Zoe's work. She is unbelievably well-read and considered and knows what she's talking about. She's spoken to some amazing people on her podcast. So go check out Zoe Motherkind. And thank you very much for listening to another episode of But Why? Always very grateful to have you here. Join me next week for more of the same. And in the meantime, I'm always available for you to get in touch with. I love hearing from you. If you've got a guest you want to suggest, if you've had thoughts on boundaries, get in touch at butwhy at clemmytelford.com. I am now off to my desk, but I've treated myself. I'm actually wearing joggers and a sweatshirt today. So basically as close to pajamas as I could wear. It's my eldest son's birthday today. So it's nine years of parenting, which is quite a stint. And I'm always very emotional on my children's birthday. So I'm gonna wallow in that feeling for a bit and um, and get home early tonight to have hot dogs, which is his dinner of choice. Anyway, wishing you a lovely day and see you next week. <laughs>